Hello, everyone, and welcome to, oh, a podcast, uh, the podcast all about playing games, making games, and Doug, brought to you by Oa Rock Studios. I'm Paul Franzen, the head boy of Oa Rock Studios. I'm Michael Gray. I'm the guy who sometimes wa- writes for Oa Rock Studios. Yeah, I think that's an appropriate title. I need an official job title. Oh, I, oh but Head Boy is already taken. Yeah, you cannot have Head Boy. I was so happy when I came up with that. It's it's mine. Oh, I'll be the gopher then, coffee gopher. <laughs> Wait, what's uh, what's the next level down in Harry Potter? Uh, you can be prefect if you want. Okay, yeah. You want to be the prefect? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'll be a six-year prefect, so I can feel like I can be a head boy next year. Okay, that that's reasonable. <laughs> the reason I call myself that is because there's there's so many indie game studios out there where it's just like one dude or two, and like they call themselves the CEO of their of their one person studio, and it drives me in, in nuts every time. So I wanted to find something that was appropriately ridiculous to the amount of power I have, and head boy seemed pretty appropriate. Well, what I like to do is I like to say that I'm in charge of Argyle Thump Industries. Oh, that's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so hello, everyone. Welcome. This is a brand new podcast we're, we're trying out here to, uh, as I said, talk about you know game development, the stuff we're working on with O-Rock Studios, and you know just whatever games we happen to be playing or whatever else happens to be on our mind at the time. Uh, so, hey, <laughs> what's up? Uh, not much. Uh, I was going to talk about, uh, I mean, I recently played uh, The Hardy Boys, The Hidden Theft, and okay. uh, I thought that would be an okay game to talk about game development, because it's interesting in certain ways how they developed it. So, um, okay, let's, let's let's just start with chapter one of the game. It's okay. sort of like split up into four different chapters, but chapter one is like an extended tutorial designed to teach you how the game works. It's an adventure game where you've got two different characters and you can separate them. Okay, yeah. How did they do it in Sam and Max again? You said, uh, well, uh, in Sam and Max, there's uh, pretty much just one playable character, but Day of the Tentacle has three, if that's mm-hmm. what you're thinking of. That's one where uh, once you unlock the other two characters, their faces kind of appear on the bottom of the screen and you can click on them to switch over to them. Yeah, so I, I guess the interface is more like uh, Day of the Tentacle, except yeah. you, you've got three different things. It's like you can have, um, you know, you control both characters at the same time, or you can control them separately. And so chapter one is uh, basically a tutorial teaching you how to deal with these the, the two characters separately. So what happens is um, you have, like, Joe sneak out of the house, and he rings the doorbell to lure Mom away from the kitchen, <laughs> while Frank sneaks into the kitchen and and uh, steals the keys to his motorcycle. Okay, yeah, actually, that so that sounds a lot like uh, Maniac Mansion. In Day of the Tentacle, all three characters operate uh, pretty much independently. Like you can trade items back and forth, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Maniac Mansion, everyone's in the same location in the si- same time period, and you, I think you have to do stuff like that. Like you have to go send one character to distract, you know, the evil tentacle, and the other character slips by and does some clever puzzle solving stuff like that yeah no i yeah. thought it was an interesting mechanic for an yeah. adventure game uh how how would that go like programming wise would it be ridiculously difficult uh, multiple characters i think uh actually an adventure game studio which is um the software i've been using to produce the beard in the mirror it's i mean it's pretty simple actually like 
it already has functions built into the game for switching the main character and for having separate inventories for each of the two characters. So I think you could pretty easily have a button on your interface where you click on it and it, you know, change character, switches over to the other one. But actually, yeah, man, what I'm, what I, what I'm dying to do is to do, uh, and I, I think I've talked about this on Twitter before, I'm dying to do a multiplayer point-and-click adventure game where it would be just like uh, Day of the Tentacle, where the players are and characters are kind of operating independently of one another, but like each one is controlled by a separate player, and you know you can still trade items back and forth and kind of give each other ideas when you're stuck, stuff like that. I, I just think that would be fantastic. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that's definitely something I have no idea how to do, but I would sure love to do it. <laughs> Maybe you could do something like, I'm thinking of like a, an escape the room game where I, I think there's one like for free on the iOS system, which has like 20 to 30 different levels and be something like two people could be playing the game on Facebook by themselves. But say you're linked up with your Facebook friends so that every time you beat a level, they would get an item or something. Oh, OK. Yeah, I can. see. So that. like you could beat the game on your own, but you could get items from your friends to make the game go more quickly. OK, yeah. That'd be interesting. <laughs> Maybe something like that, but then that would probably devolve into, I mean, knowing how Facebook <laughs> no, and, and freemium into... games go, yeah. Oh, oh, I was thinking it would devolve into me, like, spamming all of my friends, asking for the, you know, if they have the rubber chicken with the pulley in the middle so they can send it to me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's how it would devolve into. Or, or more accurately, your your random cousin that you've never actually talked to sending you these requests. So that's how it that usually works on me for Facebook. Constantly getting requests for uh, Candy Crush and stuff from people I've never actually talked to in real life. Oh, well, <laughs> the thing is, Candy Crush rewards you just for sending out those requests. Oh, that's cool. The person ignores it. I think you still get a reward for it. Oh. I think that's the story behind that. Yeah, for the multiplayer adventure game, I think I was picturing, like, you get stuck in a puzzle. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm talking to this person, and he won't let me through unless I give him, you know, random object. He wants a mug of, of pumpkin-flavored chai, you know? And <laughs> and then, you you know, you talk to other people who are playing through voice chat and be like, does anyone, is that does that ring a bell to everyone? And then people are like, well, you know, and then one person has a pumpkin, then one person has coffee, and you kind of get them all together and combine them. I mean, some fairly simple stuff like that. Yeah, one, one of these days I need to, need to uh, look into Adventure Game Studios to see if anyone has figured out network play on it before. <laughs> see if we can make something like that. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Hardy Boys. Yes. Chapter one was the big tutorial for how we use multiple characters. And then it turns out that it's just pretty much a humongous waste of time because for <laughs> chapters two and three, you know, the main bulk of the game... It's like there's never any reason to separate the Hardy Boys. They always have to be together. <laughs> In fact, the game kind of punishes you if you if you separate them because if they're separate, you can't use the map to warp from location to location. So, like, how does the gameplay work then? Can you just play through the whole chapter as just Joe or Mike? Or... Yeah, Joe or Frank, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, do you even need to be switch between the two characters, though, or can you just play through the whole as one of them? They would have to be together in order for you to move from location to location. <laughs> but sure, other sure. than that, other than that, it's like, no, it could definitely just, I guess Frank could probably yeah. just do it solo. Yeah, so then what uh, Maniac Mansion did was that, well, first of all, they did it really weirdly. Like, this is a crazy thing for them to have done this early 
in the timeline of adventure games. Like they were one of the really early games in, in the genre. And they had six characters in the beginning that you choose from. So I mean, not only do you have multiple playable characters, but you have you know multiple characters to choose from to create your party. And then each of the characters has their own uh, unique skill sets. So there might be a puzzle that involves uh, repairing a radio, and only one of the ca- one of the six characters you can choose from can actually repair a radio. So if you don't choose that character, you have to think of a different way around the puzzle. You know, stuff like that, like characters that have unique skill sets that you need to apply to specific situations. Now I want to replay the Hardy Boys game just to see um, how they handle it. Because what they usually do is mostly Frank handles pretty much all the conversations with talking to various characters. Now I want to see what happens if I have him... I mean, what if I left Joe behind? Can Frank actually engage this character in conversation? Or will the game force me to bring back (laughs) Joe so Joe can say his line of dialogue? Well, yeah, that would that would be an interesting way to do it. Have like one character that's particularly, you know, outgoing, charismatic, and then one character who's kind of standoffish, and that person can't progress through like the persuasion puzzles because you know they just can't engage with the NPC at all. That would be interesting. I think the reason why they did that was just because of budget limitations. They had Hollywood stars play the characters in this game. So Jesse McCartney was one of the Hardy Boys, and the other was Cody Lindley, who I don't particularly... Oh, apparently he's also a musician. Okay. He is in Sharknado, The Fourth Awakens. (laughs) So really like the A-listers is what we got, is what we're talking about here. (laughs) Okay, so he's the one that did most of the... He's the one that did most of the dialogue there. I guess, you know, they decide we're going to give most of the dialogue to the the actor who is less expensive. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they had to pay by line or something. I don't know. But getting back to splitting up the two characters, yes. uh, basically in chapter four, there is, and that's the final chapter, there are only four chapters, there's one puzzle where you have to split up the characters and that's it. And so that's something I was thinking of for game development. It's like we have a tutorial, which is like 20 minutes, teaching you how we split up the characters, and you're only going to do that once in the game. <laughs> Well, that, that reminds me of uh, complaints that you've had about uh, certain Legend of Zelda games, too, right? Isn't there one where... Yeah, Twilight you the, Princess. Yeah, yeah. You have the big tutorial where you learn how to use the bird, and then you never use the bird ever again. Yeah, that was <laughs> awful. Poor Tobias the Hawk. Tobias. <laughs> oh. In that particular case, it's like they bring a tutorial for something which shows up early on in the game. So, I mean, that would be something that's within the first two hours, and then we never see that again. It just disappears from the rest of the game. <laughs> I feel like that's different from something like the like the Hardy Boys game, where you have a tutorial, and it's like, it's for one specific puzzle, which is at the very end of the game, and by that time you've probably forgotten everything. <laughs> that's interesting. So did the tutorial like feel like it fit in to that part of the game, or do you think it could have been added after the fact? Like, they realized they got to the end of the programming and, you know, this puzzle was really difficult for people to figure out and they needed to add a tutorial somewhere, but they didn't want to add it to the end because it would mess with the flow of the story, so they stuck it in the beginning, maybe? Something like that? Well, I feel like... Or is it more that they they had planned to do more with it and then just didn't? <laughs> that's, that's what I feel like yeah. it was. I feel like they were going to do um, more stuff with this game and they just didn't... 
even with at the end of the game where you, where you have the puzzle where you have to split up the characters, the game kind of automatically splits them up for you. No, but specifically with that game, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. How how certain games handle things that they were planning to do more, but I guess they just ran out of budget or they just ran out of time or whatever and weren't able to finish yeah. it. Or they couldn't think of any other puzzles that involved sending a bird to do stuff. You're laughing, but that's that's chapter one of the Hardy Boys. They have a ferret. That's how you switch inventory items. No, from, I, was, from Frank I was to talking. Joe. I was talking about Zelda. Oh. <laughs> oh, but that's funny too. Oh, that's so. Okay, so the mechanic for switching items is that you give it to a like a, like a carrier pigeon kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's their parrot. Playback. Playback. Oh, that's it's so parrot. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, in uh, Day of the Tentacle, it's uh, a toilet that you flush all the items down. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, for the rest, the rest of the game, Frank and Joe are together, so they don't have to. Uh, right. I mean, they're they they don't have to use their parrot ever again. But there are some items in this game that I don't know why they're there because they never get used. If that makes sense, like there's this one weird weird puzzle where uh, you you get some inflatable gloves and there's a gas canister, and what you have to do is use a wrench on the gas canister to open it, and you put the inflatable glove on the gas canister to blow it up. Mm -hmm. So now you've got this big, floaty, (laughs) inflatable hand, and then you have to use the wrench again to turn off the gas canister. It's like, that's definitely a puzzle you have to solve, but you never use the inflatable hand for anything (laughs) in the game. Um, off the top of my head, I can think of a lot of reasons why that actually that happens sometimes. So one could be that uh, adventure game developers sometimes just stick extra items in there as sort of like red herrings or more likely just items to kind of clog up your inventory to make it a little less obvious what the puzzle solutions are. Like that's a problem I have with a lot of uh, Telltale's adventure games, the really the really short ones, uh, is that you have a puzzle and you have two items in your inventory it's pretty obvious which what you're going to have to do to solve the puzzle, you know, like you have a puzzle where you have a screw that needs to be turned and all you have in your inventory is a wrench. You're going to use the wrench on the screw or whatever, you know? So mm-hmm. a reason people might include extraneous items, therefore, would be to make it a little less obvious what you have to do just make the puzzle a little more challenging. Uh, but another reason, uh, one that came up in developing the beard in the mirror is that there could have been a purpose to the item at some point, and then that puzzle just got dropped, and the item is just kind of still there. Like, we had a a part where you could pick up a couple of thorns off of the wall in a cave, and then we we just had them floating in the inventory throughout the rest of development. We never figured out what we were actually going to do with them, and eventually we just cut them uh, out of the game, but... They were there for years. <laughs> so stuff like that. Like it could, yeah, like I said, it could just yeah. be to make puzzles harder or it could be, you know, there was a reason and now there isn't. I feel I feel it's probably the second one in that case because you had the puzzle filling up the thing, yeah. but the, the wrench is used for something else. Okay. I think I think it's used for something else. I know there's there's this like weird puzzle where... And they and they got it backwards too, which got me crazy. Was um, you you need to open up this grate, and you've got a screwdriver, but it's the wrong type of screwdriver. 
And so what you actually have to do is go to like this old toolbox, which which is broken, and you use your screwdriver to open up the toolbox <laughs> and get the other screwdriver. Oh, that's fantastic. And you use that to undo the grate. Oh. And, the, and the Hardy Boy says, oh, okay, there's a pair of boots here. Thank goodness, I thought it would be another screwdriver. Uh, that would have been so good if it was, though. <laughs> What I th- where I thought that was going to go was where you had to a flat edge screw and you only had a Phillips screwdriver, so you had to use like a quarter or something as a screwdriver instead. Yeah, I, like so I, th- I think I've seen that before, actually. I've seen, yeah, coins usually. Yeah, yeah. But no, I was going to say that the game got it backwards with their flat yeah. head and Phillips. It's like you can use a flat head screwdriver to open up a Phillips. Ah, can that's you? I get. Uh, it depends on how big the uh, the flat head though. If it's too if it's too wide, it won't work. Yeah, you're right, but I mean, right. they they didn't they didn't go into that level of detail at <laughs> no, all. I'm surprised. <laughs> Did I say earlier that you use a wrench to open a screw? Because I feel like that's that's insane. I feel like I I, I might have said that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not a handyman. No, I'm trying to remember what else happened in the game. So, I mean, the first two chapters of the game, I mean, they're great and fantastic. But then chapter three, it just sort of gets really bad, and then chapter four feels like it was just rushed and they 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 um weren't able to finish everything on time like they they messed up on item descriptions in the inventory okay so timing belt so it's timing underscore belt oh colon and then space uh timing belt and that's the description oh i'm like what is what is this oh that sounded like yeah code that just, just yeah I mean, that, that might be exactly what that is. Yeah, that, some sort of weird placeholder text that they not, never got around to replacing or, or forgot to replace or, you know, something along those lines. You, you okay. mentioned back, um, like, it can be really easy to solve a puzzle when you've only got, like, two inventory yes. items. And that's exactly what happens in um, Chapter 3, where you go to the hospital and you get two items. I mean, there are only two items in the hospital, so I was able to solve the puzzle you get hot water from a machine, and then you get a chocolate bar, and you mix the two together to get hot chocolate, mm-hmm. and then you you give it to give it to the guard. And yeah, again, it was really easy. It's like because these are the only two items you can yeah, get from yeah. this specific location. I was able to solve the puzzle. Yeah, I feel like that game could have used some inventory management though, because okay. all the. Uh, I think all of the chapters are self-contained. So, like, you never use any of the items in Chapter 1 and Chapter 2. Okay. None of the items in Chapter 2 are used in Chapter 3 and so on and so forth. Because that's the case, I feel like they really should have just cleared the inventory after every single chapter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's something that uh, a lot of adventure games will build into the story sometimes, right? Like uh, Curse of Monkey Island, I think. There's a part where you get eaten by a snake and you lose a bunch of your, your inventory items, like stuff like that. <laughs> or like you'll get blasted out of a cannon and a bunch of your items will fall out into the ocean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another problem with the the Hardy Boys game, I'm sorry to keep ragging on oh, it, but <laughs> chapters three and four right, is... As long as, as long as her interactive isn't listening. Well, they didn't make this game, so they're Oh, good. they didn't? Oh, okay, well, then they can keep listening, man. That's so fine. this was made by... The Adventure Company and Joe Wood oh. Productions. So those two yeah, teamed okay. up to do all the uh, Agatha Christie games, I believe. Yeah. I've, I've played stuff by the Adventure co- uh, Company before. I forget. Let's see. Uh, basically, the way the Adventure Company worked is they just yes. teamed up with a bunch of different developers like THQ. I think they teamed up with Her Interactive at some point. They could be. But in 2006, it looks like they got bought out by Joe Wood. 
Did they do Broken Sword? Maybe they were Broken Sword. They did Broken... Yep, Broken Sword to Sleep the Dragon. Oh, they did the bad Broken Sword. Oh, no. <laughs> and an Atlantis series. <laughs> oh, no, that's why I don't have a good impression of them. Okay, I was wondering. But it sure. looks like they got bought out, and then um, the company that took over them just decided, no, we're, we're only doing hidden object games from now yeah. on. Well, what I remember about Broken Sword, uh, The Sleeping Dragon, was I think I actually reviewed it for Game Cola like <laughs> way back in the day, like 2006 or five, somewhere around there. Uh, and it, I mean, it was the third game of the Broken Sword series, and it did a lot of stuff that a lot of adventure games were kind of uh, branching out into at that time, which was becoming things other than adventure games. <laughs> Like how uh, King's Quest VIII basically became kind of an action RPG. This one uh, did a lot of stealth puzzles and stuff like that. And there'd be like whole giant sequences where you're not really, you know, solving inventory puzzles or talking to people at all. You were just moving boxes around a room so you could climb on them and escape, stuff like that. Like a lot, there were a lot of crate puzzles in that game, if I recall. Oh, you did do this. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I'm reading <laughs> I your review. Can, oh, God, oh, don't do this. Oh, no. And the comment on it from Nathaniel Hoover is like, oh, man, is this why Paul hates the crate-moving puzzle at 999 so much? It all makes sense now. <laughs> that's probably correct, yes. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so I think part of the problem with the, the Hardy Boys game, I don't know why I keep... I know I keep going back to that. I, uh, did I mention in uh, Chapter 4, the game accidentally spoils its own plot twist by giving you um, items that you're not supposed to have at the start of the chapter? <laughs> really? Wait, what, ha- what is this? So um, the way the game works is that, you know, instead of being able to read a paper or something like that, the Hardys type it into their cell phone. <laughs> so basically you pull out your cell phone, you can use it to call people or to, you can check your task list to see what things you have to do next to proceed. And you can just read whatever papers they've picked up. And so what happens is uh, the culprit's confession gets thrown into your inventory at the start of chapter <laughs> four. <laughs> Whoops. 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 And in my walkthrough, I'm oh, like, wow. I, I, I found it there, and I read it, and it spoiled everything. Wow, how does that happen? And then in the next video, let me see. Um, this would be part 18. I don't know when the Hardy Boys walkthrough is going up, but part 18 mm-hmm. is when I actually solved the puzzle to get the confession. Because <laughs> they left that puzzle in there. Wow. Oh, that is interesting. Wow, what a fun glitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then there's also the stealth inventory item, where an item appears in your inventory, but the game doesn't tell you about it. <laughs> Checking, like, the only official walkthrough that somebody wrote. Okay. Apparently, it just jumps into your inventory halfway through Chapter 3, and I just didn't notice. But why does it jump into your inventory? Uh, you talk to a uh, character named Dougal Seep, and then he tells you to go to the theater. And at the theater, you solve a, a bunch of puzzles. And then, and then the item just happens to like fall into your pocket. Or? Yeah, it just falls into our pocket. He doesn't say he's giving you something, but uh, apparently, huh. he, you know the the uh, it's a Chinese puzzle box, so that appears in your inventory after you talk to Dougal Seep. Apparently, and. Uh, okay. It's at the very, very end of the game where you have to open the puzzle box in order to get the key, which you use on a clock, and then, then you have to put gears inside the clock in order to get the key to the guy's desk. 
And inside the desk, you find papers that prove he's he's just a guilty jerk. Another way the game could have been improved is the phone just appears in like the bottom right hand corner of the screen. It really should have been like a full screen thing, because like the culprit's confession is apparently like thirteen screens long, something like that. So you have to you have to keep scrolling through the phone screen because it's tiny. I felt like they okay. made it bigger. Yeah, sure. Well, when did this game come out? Two thousand. Eight, okay, would have been two thousand eight or so. Or... Ah, phones were phones were tiny then, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. They, they, it's not a touchscreen phone or anything yeah. like that. I'm trying to remember. I think I still had a flip phone two thousand and eight. So yeah, it's definitely a flip phone that the, the yeah. parties are using. Let me see what else. It, chapter two. I mean, chapter three is just bad, mainly because. Um, the entire storyline just gets put on hold. No real talking to characters or interaction like that. It's all just puzzles after puzzles after puzzles. And a lot of them are, I mean, it starts off with the obtuse kind of puzzle where this character says, okay, you need to set up this display or else I'm just not going to uh, let you see Mr. Seep. <laughs> Classic puzzle design. Yeah. I, then- I will do X, but first you need to give me Y. <laughs> Yeah, and then you talk to him again. He's like, "Oh, oh, there's a part two. Now you have to." <laughs> yeah, that that's something a lot of uh, a lot of critics in uh, 2016 tend to complain about in adventure games, where it's pretty clearly just a puzzle for the sake of having a puzzle and not really like integrated into the game's story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that puzzle is particularly difficult because uh, the puzzle resets itself every time you have to go. I mean, you have to set up like eight different. Um, gondolas okay and then um the puzzle automatically resets itself when you when you leave the puzzle to double check um which gondola goes with which position so like the vampire has fangs or the you know the werewolf has has eyeballs or whatever (laughs) so you have to memorize all eight things or or just write it down because definitely definitely just write it down (laughs) yeah yeah, and then after that, you've got more puzzles for the sake of puzzles, where you have to mm-hmm. find a chess piece in order to go upstairs, where you have to solve an astronomy puzzle in order to open the door to get to the room to the character you came here to meet. <laughs> but uh, the thing I loved about the, the Hardy Boys games was that it, it had a bunch of characters from the book series that had been cut out of the book series at this point. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Because there was a 2005, uh, you know, reboot of the series. So it had a bunch yeah. of characters from the original series. And that's but they're, like, like, they're going deeper into the canon, like the Hardy Boys books my dad grew up on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got yeah. Phil and, uh, you know, Yola Moore. Like, well, one of the weird things that people complained about is that with the reboot, the Hardy Boys are now single. Their girlfriends don't exist anymore. Oh. So I, I thought it was really cool to see the one girlfriend in the game it's like hey she still exists she didn't get like killed or something wait was she still like the girlfriend in the in the game or was she just like a friend she was just like a friend oh okay so they must have broken up at some point yeah (laughs) that that, that's why she's not in the books anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) part of the reason chapter three of the hardy boys game is so jarring is because uh there's a complete change in puzzle types if that makes sense so instead of doing inventory puzzles you're you're doing more um interacting with things puzzles if that makes sense like they'll throw a chessboard on you it's like okay you have to figure out how to put the four queens on the chessboard puzzles like yeah 
<laughs> Those are the puzzles I do not like in adventure games. <laughs> That's why I don't play too much, too many of the uh, Nancy Drew and Hardy Boy games, is because I love I love uh, wacky uh, inventory puzzles and not so much the more logic oriented puzzles. Yeah, so I feel like that's weird when a game is just all inventory puzzles and then, boom, halfway through, oh, oh, now all of a sudden it's more of these logic puzzles coming out of nowhere. Yeah, I would I would be very upset if that happened while I was playing it. Yeah, because I specifically remember reading a review for this, this Hardy Boys game and somebody was complimenting the first half because it wasn't like the uh, Nancy Drew-style logic puzzles. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't have to stop and do somebody's chores for yeah. for a half hour. But then chapter number three is exactly that. <laughs> Another big change was um, in chapter three, the game became completely linear. So instead of having the ability to uh, just go to a bunch of places and solve different puzzles, you know, you could solve the puzzles in pretty much any order in, in chapter two. Mm-hmm. But uh, in Chapter 3, it's basically, okay, you have three locations. You have to go through location number one, then location number two, and location number three. And they're all pretty much separate from each other. I also wanted to describe the, <laughs> the theater puzzle, which was so weird in Chapter 2, but but I also kind of liked it anyway. Was There's this guy who's in the theater, and he refuses to come out until somebody, you know, sets the stage. So, you know, turns on the lights and plays the music and does the cue for him to get out and say his line in the play. But the weird thing is that it's like 8 or 9 o'clock at night and the theater is completely empty. So I'm wondering what this guy is thinking. If he's actually going to stay there all night long until somebody shows up the next day and sets sets the things for him. <laughs> it was such a weird premise for, for like a strange puzzle. But <laughs> I'm willing to forgive it because the play is uh, Hamlet's twin brother. And, and we get to read like the first two pages on our phone. And it's just <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> So Hamlet basically talks Shakespearean, and then uh, the ghost basically tops like 1990s <laughs> slang. He's like, yo, Hamlet, guess what? You've got a twin brother. He's coming over. You're totally going to have great adventures. It's so much fun. I wish I wasn't dead already. <laughs> That's fantastic. That should be what the whole game is. <laughs> yeah, and Hamlet's like, be gone, thou foul apparition. It's like, whoa, dude, chill out. Jeez, didn't realize my son was such a grump. Also, FYI, your uncle killed me. <laughs> That's something which happens sometimes in... I think they like doing that in adventure games specifically, where, like, you know, there's a book in the background, and somebody can look at the book, and you can actually read it and get a lot of funny dialogue. Oh, it's interesting that you mentioned that, actually. So, um, Ron Gilbert, the Monkey Island guy, right? Uh, mm-hmm. He's been working on this new retro-style point-and-click adventure game called uh, Thimbleweed Park, I believe it's called. And he did a call on Twitter a couple of weeks ago looking for people to do exactly that. Looking for people to write two pages of little stories that appear in a giant library scene in the game. It's cool. So he's going to have like a hundred different books that you can just sit there and browse for an hour if you feel like it. I think I submitted something about uh, a legal thriller about grammar. (laughs) They they did a couple things like that, actually. There's another part where I guess... You can uh, call different phone numbers, and they had their fans submit, like, answering machine messages for for different numbers that you can call. 
Interesting. Yeah, isn't that cool? With the, <laughs> with the first Nancy Drew game, they had a couple of things like that, like fake phone numbers that you could call with just funny things. And the, yeah. that was just the developers just messing around and making their own weird, weird uh, phone messages. <laughs> like, oh, here's what happens if you call the pizza place. Here's what happens if you call the judo place. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that I'm a police officer who's yelling at Nancy for not solving the case. It's just weird stuff like that. I think the, uh, I think the, the answering machine ones might have specifically been uh, a Kickstarter reward in this one. Like you pay X dollars and you can record a little message in the game. The other one was just for whoever <laughs> felt like writing two pages of a random story. To, or, or any book. It could have been like a cookbook or whatever too. Just whatever you want. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no. I think they also did something similar in the the 30th Nancy Drew game, where mm. she goes on a reality show, and the the developers just had fun creating fake confessionals <laughs> for like characters you don't see. Well, of course, there's also the Nancy Drew game where they asked people to submit their pictures for uh, for something. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, which one was that? That was for uh, Nancy Drew's Secrets Can Kill Remastered. So that was like for the 75th anniversary of Nancy Drew or something. Yeah. So. It's basically a re- remake of the first game. And you're like the student, uh, like you personally, Michael Gray, are like yeah, the student I am, of the month for... I am Mr. September, yeah. <laughs> That's so fantastic. Because in the original game, again, it's just the developer's pictures of themselves. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I love stuff like that. Um, someday if we have a big... I mean, I guess that's actually what we did in Cat President, right? Like, mm-hmm. all the a lot of the characters are, are pictures of our, our friends' cats, basically. And I don't know. I, I really enjoy stuff like that in games. I'd love to keep doing stuff like that in the future. I think also, sorry, Chapter 4, the Hardy sure. Boys game. Yeah. Uh, one of the problems it had was the storyline feels rushed in that it gets thrown to you through, uh, like, five-minute cutscenes. Okay. So, like, at one point we find a letter, and this person reads the letter for five minutes. Or we, we talk to Mary, and she gives us a five-minute lecture on everything. So is this... Are there other Hardy Board games, or is this the only one? Or if there are other ones, is this like is this different from the other games? There are two other Hardy Boys games. One for the DS, <laughs> and then there were two for the the PC. Um, the game after it, the second PC game, as I believe I mentioned, is just a hidden objects game. Right, right, yeah, okay. After after the studio, basically, it's like, hey, let's turn our licenses into hidden objects and see see what happens. <laughs> That's interesting. I guess the Hardy Boys computer game franchise didn't quite take off as well as Nancy Drew did. Yeah, I wonder why. Because I know um, the people that d- do the Nancy Drew games, mm-hmm. I think a couple of years ago they actually purchased the rights for a, a Hardy Boys computer game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they got the rights. They can make a Hardy Boys computer game whenever they want, but um, the, I think that project got shelved. Well, the Hardy Boys appear in uh, some of the Nancy Drew games, too, correct? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Or most of them, even? Maybe just some I of wouldn't them. say most of them. I mean, at this point, at this point, the series is so large, it's got so many reoccurring characters, I guess. <laughs> so, like, every game, you kind of got one or two uh, reoccurring characters who are only just phone contacts, I guess you would yeah, say. Yeah, I think, I think that's where I've seen them in context. Like, I watched one of your walkthroughs, and, and you could call the Hardy Boys at some point. Yeah, that seems like um, another video game topic. It's like, say, Phoenix Wright or something like that. It's like when a series gets too big or something. So, I mean, they just got too many characters and stuff. Yeah. How, how are you, you going to juggle it? And I think the way that, that the Nancy Drew series juggles it is like they just kind of rotate between 
which group of friends she can call per game. That's fun. So it's like this game you can call her boyfriend, this game you can call her, uh, you know, girlfriends, and this game you can call the the Hardy Boys. And kind of like rotates between the three of them as your hint friends. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because I think with um, with Phoenix Wright, they've really had to strike a balance between like wanting to follow up on the characters from the old games and wanting to create new characters and new situations for the new game. And I think. Um, sometimes it works a little better than other times. <laughs> like, I felt like in uh, Dual Destinies, there were really a lot of points where it's just like, we're bringing this character back just for fun, like, and not for any particular reason. I don't know. I, f- mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like they haven't always done a great job with that in the newer titles. Like, they're bringing pe- characters back because they know fans want it and they know they have to do it. And it doesn't always feel like the developers want to do this. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like... Well, different people want to see characters for different reasons. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm halfway through the the second case of Spirit of Justice game number six, and they've kind of brought in um, the Grammaries, the magician troupe that um, from uh, featured Hall of big Justice, in, right? Yeah, they featured very big. So I mean, we've got uh, Trucy's parents and so on and so forth. But, and it's like. I don't know how to say this without spoilers, but... <laughs> Alright, spoiler warning for anyone who hasn't played Spirit of Justice yet. Oh, no, spoiler oh, for warning for Apollo, Apollo Justice. Justice. Oh, <laughs> You know that? You know the big spoiler I'm going to give about uh, Apollo? Does it have to do with the relationship between a couple characters? Or the yes. connection? It might be a better word. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, uh, okay. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. So, I, I, I'm just holding my breath, Beta. It's like, you guys, you're finally going to follow up on this, right? <laughs> well, it's like, I, I, I posted on Twitter about this, but I highlighted a review I read where it talked about uh, those two characters flirting with each other, and it made me incredibly uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> I was oh, not, not happy to read that one bit. <laughs> yes, but so far... Um... They really haven't gone into it. Like they they oh, talked about so the magician troop, and Trish is like, "Okay, those are my parents there," uh, but they just kind of brushed it aside. <laughs> so I, I'm still holding my breath for them to come back and uh, follow up on follow up on that. It's like oh. you guys can't really bring in a thing about. Trucy's parentage and have that be kind of an important element of the case without actually resolving. Well, unless that reviewer just didn't play the whole game, I suspect you might be waiting till game seven. Because <laughs> I don't think they would have said that if uh, if any sort of reveal happened. Well, it's funny because they were actually that was one of the things you could tap on in the background was flowers from Lamarar, uh, you know, Trucy's quote unquote real mother. Yes. Oh, spoilers. Trucy's mother is still alive. <laughs> okay, which game is that spoilers for? I don't even remember. I don't even know. <laughs> four, four and six. I don't really remember the plot of Apollo Justice that well. So I'm saying I want mm-hmm. to see uh, those characters and those things in the, in the Phoenix Wright series just because I want to get closure on the subplots that <laughs> open in Apollo Justice, whereas I imagine other people just are huge fans of Leary and just want to see him again. Well, there's people who are really psyched about, uh, is it Ema or Emma Sky? Nobody can agree Nobody on how knows. to pronounce <laughs> it. So I, I say Ema because... Well, because it's spelled weird, right? It's E-M-A. There's no double M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I say it's probably Ema instead of Emma. But uh, everybody seems to pronounce the names differently. Yeah, but people are really excited about her coming back in, in game six. 
And yeah, she she is yeah. in this case. She's the lead detective. And then I just, while recording my walkthrough, I just made a bunch of jokes about how she needs to start dating Apollo now. <laughs> because he has no other, like, potential love interest besides Trucy. Does she still chew on snackaroos the whole time? No, she no? actually got a promotion. <laughs> that, that was her that... one character trait. Oh. <laughs> That was the big deal was she got a promotion and now she's actually a forensic scientist. So she's not angrily eating chocolate to make herself <laughs> oh, feel better anymore. That was what I liked about her. Oh, that's disappointing. Now I'm definitely not playing this game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I liked it. They at least mentioned within like two minutes of meeting her, they bring up the, the snack who. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but one of the, the pronunciation things is uh, the, the, the defendant in trial number one is I'll be your guide. <laughs> I heard uh, Diana and, talking about that on the last episode of the Game Cola podcast. I was really excited about all the different pun names in this game. It's one of the things that made it uh, made me a little inched me closer toward buying it. <laughs> well, one of the things I I don't think I can understand any of the puns in this game. Oh no! When I saw that, I thought it was supposed to be pronounced "I'll be your god," not oh, "I'll no. be your guide." I'm like, what is this game going oh, into? <laughs> that is a very different interpretation. <laughs> yeah. So, so they've got a couple of characters whose names it's like your name has to be a pun, and now I now I I think that ruined the pun names for me because I'm scared I'm getting them wrong. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Oh, here's another one. Bonnie de Fam. I don't quite understand that pun. What is it? Bonnie. Well, she's dressed like a bunny, so I get Bunny Bonnie. That's the okay. one. But her last name is de Fam, D-E, and then space F-A-M-M-E. Hmm. Bonnie de Fam? See, I just... Bonnie. I'll just check the wiki and see what what it says for the puns <laughs> yeah it sounds like the uh localizing team had a lot of fun with this though <laughs> okay so oh, okay in japanese it's a pun for um ears okay because she wears bunny ears okay but what about the la- the last name has to mean something her last name to fan may be a pun on defame Oh, I accidentally searched for Bunny Lafemme, F-E-M-M-E, on Google, and that was that was very inappropriate. I should not have done that. Oh, well, I this wonder is if that, a spoiler. Yeah. I should not uh, have uh-oh. looked at the wiki here. <laughs> Oops. Hello, new character well, don't, don't in the series. Us. Don't tell us. <laughs> oh, oh, no. That's... Oh, my God. Mia's coming back. What? I didn't know. <laughs> We still haven't seen Maya. They did a couple oh, of those. Oh, I, knew, uh, I knew it. She's not in this game. I knew it. <laughs> we've had a couple of shots of her from behind. No. From behind. So um, they're, the they're clearly holding off on that. Yeah. No, I, th- I think I read that she doesn't show up until like halfway through the game, like as as an actual character. Well, I imagine that. Um, well, it's case number case number three. Apparently, is a huge one. Yeah. So, and that's when she shows up. Yeah, that sounds right. And then it looks like case number four is just one thing of trial, just like the first case. Well, that's good. Yeah, I think that's, if I was reading it correctly, that's the one that doesn't, like, have anything to do with any of the other cases. It's with, uh, what's her face? The new lawyer from the last game who looks like April O'Neil. Athena, Athena, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know what the cases are about. I'm only halfway through case number two, but... <laughs> 
But no, I find it interesting that they at least tried to do something different with the the case lengths and things like that in this game. Well, I mean, that was definitely a problem with uh, case number or game number five for me was uh, the pacing. Uh, I mean, I've said this multiple times, but I fell asleep multiple times while playing that game just because it was just dragging so long at so many different parts. Um, So if that's something they were able to tighten up in this game, all the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. But uh, the two DLC cases came out today. Let me actually see if I can find that description. Oh, I put my DS charger. Okay, well, I'll just describe them from memory then. It's uh, Apollo Justice Asinine Attorney and (laughs) Phoenix Wright Asinine Attorney. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh. So so the Phoenix one, um, I guess, takes place in the the home, Maya's home country or whatever. And the storyline is that Pearl comes to visit and she gets mistaken for the princess. I was wondering if Pearl was going to show up because she was in the DLC for game number five, too. Yeah, so apparently she's in the DLC for uh, this new game. So apparently people think she's the princess and stuff happens i i bet the dlc cases are the best ones they were last time (laughs) yeah and then it said apollo's dlc case is more like um i don't know but it has his his rival in it oh yeah um nope forgot clavier yeah clavier yeah that's another name that i actually really like that character because what i what i I mean i really liked in uh, apollo justice is that like he wasn't really, like, presented as a bad guy, right? He was... I mean, he wasn't really antagonistic toward Apollo. They, If I'm recalling this correctly, which I might not be, but it seemed like they were kind of working together to get at the truth. But he was, like, what Miles Edgeworth became at the end of the first game. Like, he yeah. he was already there, and I thought that was a really interesting and cool uh, character to have. I mean, Like, he occasionally makes fun of Apollo, yeah, but, but I, mean, I mean, he's not, not malicious. Exactly, so yeah. exactly, yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 he was like the the shining beacon in that game for me. <laughs> yep, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it's a time to start wrapping up um, with the with the podcast host I'm using. We ha- we actually we literally have to keep it under an hour, or I can't upload it to the site. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Then. <laughs> um, okay. So more. Um, I guess podcast topics would be like adaptation games. Yes. Games that are specifically adaptations. How how do we do that? That seems like an interesting yeah, thing. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun to talk about because I tried to do one of a uh, of a novel by this novelist I know a while ago. It didn't go great. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun to talk yeah, about. Yeah, and I know, because we're kind of trying that with the, the adventure yeah, game. That's so. true. With the unannounced adventure game that we are uh, yeah, <laughs> in like, the to, first uh, tiny baby steps of, of planning. <laughs> yeah, I need to actually like read the other chapters and make sure it <laughs> can actually work. Yeah, and that the so the original book it is in the public domain, right? I think I searched. Yes, nineteen twenty two, nineteen twenty two French. Good, because that that would be problematic. So that's good to know. You've ever heard of the the Loop in the Third TV series? I did actually. That that I, I was wondering if that was the same thing. So what's the real quick? What's the book we're talking about? It's a uh, the Eight Strokes of the Clock, and it's sort of it's one of those weird things. Like the guy who wrote the original Lupin series, and it kind of fits into the chronology, and kind of doesn't. Okay. So basically, the way people promote it today is like, oh yeah, it's totally part of the Lupin series. We've <laughs> <laughs> You want to get it and read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that, that about does it uh, for, for this podcast. So if you'd like to hear more from either of us, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Paul M. Franzen, and Michael is at Argelfump, which is spelled exactly how it sounds. 
Uh, yep. <laughs> you can uh, check out all of our games on Steam or itch.io, uh, or you can just visit orock.com and you'll see the full library there. Uh, our theme song, uh, which Michael has not heard yet, <laughs> is uh, it's called Dead Monster, uh, and it's by March of the Danger Men, uh, who you can check out on SoundCloud if you'd like. Uh, and if you have any questions about the games that we've made or about game development in general or about Doug or Nancy Drew or Phoenix Wright or anything, uh, just email them to podcast at com, and we might talk about them in the next episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's it. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Um, nothing yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Yep, goodbye. Bye. games. <laughs>